0: This episode of Interphase is brought to you by Audible.com, your source for the best audiobooks, including unabridged readings of the latest novels from the incredible family of Star Trek authors. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help this show and the network at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And if you want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode, Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there.
1: TFM.
0: Welcome, listeners, to the first episode of Interphase, trekka Film's new Star Trek Universe podcast dedicated to all the new content being released, as well as the best 50-plus years of adventures that have made the franchise what it is today, something that we love so much. I'm C. Brian Jones, or Chris, and I'm joined today by a great panel to discuss the newest Star Trek series, Lower Decks, which will premiere... Thursday of this week, after we record this, we're recording this on Sunday, August 2nd, and Lower Decks is going to be out on Thursday. And we're looking forward to that. And with me to talk about it from Standard Orbit is Haley Stoddart. Haley, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm truly excited to talk about this, although I don't know how much I have to say at this point, but I'm stoked. I'm here.
0: Well, I, I think we're all, I'm in the same boat as you anyway. I don't know how much I really have to say about it without seeing episodes, but it's a really new direction for Star Trek. It's been a long time since we've had something really animated besides those short treks that we got. So let's see what we have to say. Maybe someone with more to say than us could be from Meta Treks and to the journey, Mr. Zachary Fruling. Zachary, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Chris. It's good to be here to launch the new podcast, and uh, I hope to be as animated as the new animated show will be.
0: As long as you've worn pants today, I think we're we're good to go.
1: <laughs> Not now. with this weather and, here, in Idaho. and you could be,
0: and you can be animated. You can jump up and down on the Zoom meeting here without frightening any of us. I think. <laughs> And uh, also, I'd like to welcome a new voice, the creator of the most interesting Star Trek polls you'll find anywhere on Twitter, Chris Chaplin. Chris, welcome to the podcast.
3: Well, hey, Chris, it's great to be here uh, just to celebrate every little tiny little tidbit of new Star Trek that we can talk about. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you here. We've got two Chris's. We're going to double up on the Chris here today. And uh, yeah, your Twitter polls are very interesting because they (laughs) are like truly like four very random things from Star Trek that you ask people to vote on. And uh, I sometimes find it hard to choose.
3: Yeah, it's just uh, something to do during all the shutdown and stuff for me. And, you know, I just love thinking about anything, all the little tiny details of Star Trek and what well, better way to do that than throw random things together and try and decide which one you like the most.
0: Well, that's what we do here. And throwing random things together, I think, might be a theme behind this new series <laughs> or decks. Because I think, I think we're going to be getting a lot of tidbits from throughout Star Trek's history thrown into the show, even though it's set in the 24th century. I, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing things appear from the 23rd for sure, the 22nd, maybe even the distant future. Who knows? We might even get a 31st century Discovery reference showing up in here, maybe. So today we're going to talk about the show. We've seen some trailers. We've got a little bit of news. I I personally feel like they've done a pretty good job of not revealing too much about what we're going to see prior to this launch. So it should be exciting for everyone. And... The concept of the show, it's by Mike McMahon. He's the writer and producer of the animated comedy series Rick and Morty, which airs on Comedy Central. It's part of their Adult Swim programming block. And he's also the creator of the Hulu animated series Solar Opposites, which I've seen on my Hulu screen. It's been recommended to me. I haven't watched it yet, so I need to check that out. And he's taking us to the lower decks of Starfleet with the franchise's first comedy series. And it's the first animated Star Trek series since the very aptly named Star Trek The Animated Series, which ran from 1973 to 74. And it follows the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships, the USS Cerritos, in the year 2380. So what do we think about the concept, Haley? What are your first thoughts?
2: Initially, when they talked about this and and said what it was going to be, I thought this is fantastic. This is something I know a lot of people love the episode from TNG, Lower Decks, mm-hmm. aptly named. And so I like this idea that we're not necessarily following the bridge crew around and I'm not big on animated stuff. So I was kind of okay with it, but I'm really excited also about this concept of like they are the second contact, because right. that is something that has always intrigued me about Star Trek is, you know, we have our crew, they go to this planet, into so chaos, uh, at least as far as TOS goes. TNG tries not to do that, and then they leave and we never see these planets again. And so this idea of having second contact, this ship's going to go and kind of be that follow-up to everything, like, there are so many planets that they could use, like, Go to Sigmaosha too. I want to see what happens. <laughs> you know? And so I love that idea of it. I think it's going to be really fantastic, uh, depending on how they take it.
0: it kind of reminds me of, you know, we had this joke on the Ready Room for years about the cleanup ship that flies behind the Enterprise <laughs> that visits the planet yeah. after Kirk screws everything up and then leaves the mm-hmm. local inhabitants to fix their own society uh, because he's torn down all the framework that held them together i'm joking a bit of course although not completely so (laughs) it would be fun if there were an episode where they did go in a situation like that you know like uh the enterprise goes in kirk blows up the computer like landrew's gone for example what happens next and then and then the Ceratos comes in and then they kind of help everyone put the pieces back together yeah (laughs) what about you zachary
1: you know this is um I'm excited about the concept in general, because I think this is something we don't think about when we think of Star Trek, you know, we think of the Star Trek universe as being very egalitarian, but every society since the dawn of time has had to find the balance between its idealism and it's, uh, and how to balance the different strata of society, like the dirty jobs that need to be done that are ne- a necessary part of any society that we don't get to see very much in the Star Trek universe. You might get allusions to them. Like, you know, someone will have to scrub the plasma manifolds once in a while, but we never get to see that actually happening. So, uh, you know, Coming at it mainly from a philosophical standpoint, I like the window into the, the the bowels of federation society that are necessary that any society has. No matter how optimistic and idealistic and egalitarian the society is, certain things have to be done for the society to function.
0: You know, they've only revealed the titles of four episodes. Maybe one of the later ones is called The Bowels of Society. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just the bowels.
0: <laughs> <laughs> seems more that likely. That could be taken a lot of ways.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a All right. Those are Rick, good Rick Berman points. title there. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, if it were a Voyager episode, <laughs> it would be called Bowels. If it were a Next Generation episode, it would be the Bowels of Society. And if it were a DS9 episode, it would be called, you know, Bowels, Faith, in the Great River or something it, like that. And if it were a <laughs> oh. Picard,
1: it would be in Latin. <laughs> right
0: whatever the latin word for vowels and i'm not going to attempt to make one of those up right now but no. chris what are your initial thoughts on the concept of the series at first i was like oh this is like fan fiction
3: um take one a <laughs> beloved episode and turn it into a series but then when i found out the creative team coming from rick and morty i was super excited because rick and morty is absurd but also really smart sci-fi often and i've mm-hmm. been surprised that at, at times of the quality of the sci-fi concepts so i felt pretty secure that this show will still feel like star trek even though it mixes in the absurd they'll deal with the high concepts of natural
0: you know spatial anomalies and stuff like that hopefully but on the whole optimistic so so unlike me and I I think Haley and Zachary as well. Uh, you've watched Rick and Morty enough that like you have a feel for the show, right? And like the, the type of humor that McMahon writes on the show. So how do you how do you feel like? Does that humor connect with you? Can you see that being brought over to uh, Star Trek? It
3: doesn't always connect with me. Sometimes it goes a little too far afield. There's a whole episode about a toilet planet, and.
0: Well, that's it's the got, bowels of society. Exactly. I just <laughs> talked
3: about this. <laughs> for real, for real. Um, so it can go there, but it can, it can also have really fun. It plays with time travel. It's pretty smart. Okay. Okay. And the characters are endearing. There's a lot of heart there. So I'm, I'm okay. hopeful. From what we've seen, it looks like the characters are really well, at least
0: depicted. Okay.
2: I have a thought on this. So are we essentially taking... And kind of blending Star Trek and the Orville together Mm -hmm. in an animated show.
0: That's an interesting thought. Yeah.
2: If we're going to have kind of some of this kind of raunchy kind of humor, so to speak. Because we know this is the adult animated series. You know, we've got a kids one coming too. uh, But it's also Star Trek, you know. So I I wonder if it's going to kind of hopefully blend well enough together i don't mind adult humor and comedy and stuff but sometimes i think it can be a little bit much and too overboard and that's kind of some of my concern
3: i have Mm. to suspect that they've toned it down a little bit from rick and morty for a star trek series but definitely taking the the spirit Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of fun rick and morty so i'm hoping that that translates
1: Honestly, I think Star Trek needs some fun. I've been really disturbed a bit by the dark turn Star Trek has taken in in recent series. And, you know, the humor Mm -hmm. aside, it's, you know, some of the humor resonated with me in the trailer a lot more than I thought it would. Honestly, I found myself chuckling and laughing and just having a good time watching the trailer. Uh, You know, coming into the trailer, actually, with some negative expectations, like, "Ah, is this really going to be my kind of humor? But loved it. And um, I think it's just going to be a fun show. And I think after all the dark things in the world the last few months and the last few years and all the darkness we've seen in the star trek universe just having a fun laughathon sounds great right now
3: and i yeah. i watched the comic-con video from the creator and he said that it's going to be fun and absurd but also he's keeping kind of like the ethical core that makes a star trek story intact in the stories so that's hmm. that that seems like a really careful balance to find and i'm excited to see them do that
0: yeah that's what i'm hoping for is that, you just mentioned you know dark dark times the dark turn in star trek it's interesting you're right i mean these days you know discovery and picard both taken a dark turn uh, the subjective darkness matters, and it,
1: tone yeah mm-hmm.
0: that's what i mean like in tone i mean the, it's not throughout it's not constant but it's that tone so it's this dystopian tone like a shift but you know i think back Everyone who listens to the network and has listened to me podcasting for the past ten years knows that I'm a niner. I I love Deep Space Nine, and you remember when Deep Space Nine came out, and everyone talked about ah, oh, it's too dark. And you still hear people these days who say I, I've never really watched it because it's just a dark Star Trek series. It's not really dark compared to some of the stuff we've been getting recently, but at the same time, to me, it's the funniest Star Trek series. It it's the series that has the most humor across the series, but it's just peppered in here and there. Like they're humorous moments and they're character driven and they're not forced. And that's why I know that like Star Trek can have humor. I'm wondering where that line is and, and where you go with it. And I do have another thought on that, which I'll, I'll bring up in a moment when we talk more about the humor and what we think will work. Why don't we transition a little bit to talk about the creative vision? Because I did want to rewind back to October 25th, 2018, which is when CBS announced that CBS Eye Animation Productions, which is the new wing of CBS television that does animation, together with Secret Hideout and Roddenberry Entertainment would together produce two seasons of this series, Lower Decks. So that there is interesting that we at least know that we're going to get two seasons of this. And I believe the first one is slated to be 10 episodes. So it's not like we're going to throw five episodes out there, see how it goes, and then ditch it. You go back to the original animated series, technically there are two seasons, but there are 22 episodes. The second season, I think, is four episodes, maybe five. I think four of them are in the second season. So I don't even think of it as like season one and season two. It's just the animated series. And here, at least we know they're committed to do two of them. And at the time they made the announcement, Alex Kurtzman said that Mike won our hearts with his first sentence. I want to do a show about the people who put the yellow cartridge in the food replicator <laughs> so a banana can come out the other end. <laughs> and then he went on to say his, meaning Mike's, cat's name is Riker. His son's name is Sagan. The man is committed. He's brilliantly funny and he knows every inch of every Trek episode and that's his secret sauce. He writes with the pure, joyful heart of a true fan. As we brought in the world of Trek to fans of all ages, we're so excited to include Mike's extraordinary voice. And then Mike McMahon himself said, as a lifelong Trekkie, it's a surreal and wonderful dream come true to be a part of this new era of Star Trek. While Star Trek Lower Decks is a half hour animated show at its core, it's undeniably Trek, and I promise not to add an episode at the very end that reveals the whole thing took place in a training program, which was a nice <laughs> little jab there. Uh, I'm pretty sure to the end of Enterprise and to mm-hmm. these are the voyages, uh, but it, it's also a jab sort or of Voyager, to too. <laughs> what has been done with. Uh, yes that and you know the one that always pops into my head is is New Heart where you find out at the end that the whole thing's a spoiler alert for this very very old show that probably no one who hasn't seen it will go back and watch he wakes up and the whole series was a dream and then there's a a wonderful uh, episode of News Radio where it turns out that all of News Radio is taking place in a snow globe because Jimmy's dreaming so they did the dream thing with uh, Roseanne too if memory serves uh, right. So it's something, yes, that happens, you know, from time to time with shows. But I think here he's probably taking a job at the, the Next Generation episode that was tagged on to the end of Enterprise. <laughs> yeah Right before Pegasus. <laughs> but anyway, that was fun. That was fun. You know, as I'm reading this, I'm curious what you guys think about this. The idea that he knows every inch of Star Trek and he writes from a true fan's perspective – I think that can be like a double edged sword because if you look at Enterprise, people love the fourth season. And, but one thing they always say is, you know, Manny Koto, he knew Star Trek inside out. And it is evident in the stories that he wrote. But sometimes that can take you too far into fan service, whereas having less knowledge can take you into fresh areas. For a show like lower decks, I mean, what do you think, Haley? Is it better maybe to know every inch of Star Trek with this type of concept?
2: I think knowing enough is probably more important than knowing everything because, like you said, you can do too much and then it's fans might be turned off by it if mm-hmm. you do too much. Like I, you know with Picard, i we knew we were getting seven of nine back. And I haven't watched, uh, except for like maybe like three episodes of Voyager, I haven't watched any. Mm. But wow. we knew that. And I know. How I know. Is that possible? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and then we also knew we were getting Riker and Troy. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a degree of, if you know enough, you can throw a little bit in, but then you can cross that line and throw in too much. And then it's just too much. And it's, I want shows, I want all these new shows to essentially stand on their own. I want Mm -hmm. them to be their own creation, their own monster, so to speak, in the Star Trek community and this fandom and this love that we have and be something rather than, oh, we've got to throw this person in and we've got to throw this person in and and throw in all these people to maybe essentially draw in more people who are just going to watch it just because of that. Mm. And so I I think there is a a very delicate balance in that. I'm not a big fan of the whole canon thing. I really don't care, you know, and so I'm not going to sit and argue about that. I do think it's great, though, that he likes Trek, that he Mm -hmm. is a fan. And I think that is something that's truly wonderful because he does understand how important things are and hopefully will say, "Okay, I know this is truly important, but. I want to go this direction
0: instead. Mm, yeah. How do you feel, Zachary?
1: You know, arguably, you could say almost Star Trek as an allegory, and you could tell any allegory you want with Vulcans or with Klingons or with Romulans. You don't. You don't have to push the boundaries and see something new, right? You can, you can have a very small universe and tell all the allegories you want with just a couple of races. But for me, I, I like the, the science fiction element of Star Trek too. I like, I like the idea of being out on the frontier, seeing something new. And I've been saying this for a long time. I want Star Trek to do something new. I actually want to see some strange new worlds for once, rather than just go back mm-hmm. to the same old tropes again and again and again. So I think, a, a I think a series like this really has potential to do that. I mean, you, the things you can draw on the screen are, are almost, cheaper to make than things you have to to have to digitally create or things you have to to film on set so you know the the sky is the limit when it comes to what you can show in an animated series so i I, i'm not a big fan of of fan service honestly i mean uh there's more to good science fiction writing and good star trek writing than just constantly dropping references to things we've seen in previous iterations of star trek a couple times is fine but Mm -hmm. i think that that shouldn't be the driver of of, uh, of of star trek writing i think
3: what are your thoughts chris I feel like knowing the the universe inside and out allows him to ground the absurdity of the series in the culture of Star Trek. So I feel like we're going to feel like we're on the Enterprise-D in some cases because it mm-hmm. seems like there's some kind of ten-forward kind of lounge. And just like the small little details seem grounded in the Star Trek we know, the pads, the Le Car's design, even... The walls of the bridge are tan, right? Look like (laughs) a carpet. I think all that that knowledge is going to be unconsciously helping us to process the absurdity that's on there. So I'm hoping it's not like, oh, here comes in Sarek and here comes in Martok and here, you know, pulling in all these characters we know. But the details, the minutiae of the universe that has been built for 53 years is there Mm -hmm. on the screen supporting the new the new type of stories are telling.
0: Talking about the walls and the carpet and all, (laughs) I I saw somewhere on Twitter, I can't remember who said it, but I saw someone who said, wouldn't it be cool if the saucer section was actually the salvaged saucer of the Enterprise (laughs) D after it was crashed and...
1: Just tack some new nacelles <laughs> the on there and I'll still in it. there.
0: Generations. Yeah. So, so I was oh thinking m- maybe, yeah, maybe it's like secondhand. They've refurbished it and then they've stuck some new nacelles on there. And and maybe like the lower decks are new, but the, the bridge, maybe it's just the one that we're familiar with. I think
1: it's a fun concept <laughs> to see the. I don't think
0: so based on the coloring, but yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's fun to see the. Uh, Next generation aesthetic, for lack of a better word, in a completely different context. Yeah. We think of it as the luxury liner, but right. now we get to see it as a kind of like the the B class ship. <laughs> we don't think of that aesthetic being yeah. being a, a, a less than less than Galaxy class starship. Starship.
0: Right. Uh, this is when you go to the Hilton and you wander down the the corridors that only the staff can use when they yes. need to push the food carts around and stuff. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. I think like my thoughts on this question generally speaking, if we're doing a live action Star Trek, let's just take whatever they're going to do with future seasons of Discovery or Picard or what they're going to do with Strange New Worlds or Section 31 if they ever make that series. In those cases, I don't want too much fan service, I want to see them do new things. I personally did not care much for the inclusion of Seven of Nine in Picard, and it has nothing to do with Seven of Nine or Jerry Ryan. I love them both, and actually Seven's one of my favorite characters in Star Trek, and I think she's critical to Voyager, and she made the show much, much better. But I didn't feel like her use in Picard really made that much sense for the story, whereas... Him meeting Troy and Riker for that one episode, I thought did make sense and I thought it worked quite well. And I thought that Marina and Jonathan did a great job with the characters, especially Marina did a really, really nice job with Troy in that episode. So I'm okay with that kind of stuff. But in general, I don't want too much fan service. In a show like Lower Decks, however, I think it could work well because... It depends on what they do with the stories, which we're going to talk about in a moment, what we think they might do. If it's largely humor, then having the inclusion of all these past references and all could work really well. And to do that successfully, especially with the fan base, the way our fan base is in Star Trek, which will tear you apart for the slightest thing that is not accurate – having that encyclopedic knowledge is gonna be important. So I, I think it could work pretty well here. There was something going around. I'm sure you guys have seen it. I haven't commented on it. Apparently fans were upset this week because of was it Romulan whiskey instead of Romulan ale or something like that? And
2: Yeah, uh, it's always something ridiculous. You can only have one I'd
0: drink be, on the planet. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> so so what what is ours on Earth? Is it like gin? I mean what do we have that only aliens can only drink this one beverage from earth? Root beer. That's all we have. Root beer. <laughs> root beer. Uh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, root beer. That's it. It's uh. it's what defines us. It's why we're so bubbly as a species. Yeah. Insidious insidious. Chris, I
1: (laughs) I think this brings up a (laughs) a really good point that I wanted to talk about. I honestly think fan expectations are a little out of control. Like give the creators license to do something new, do something innovative, have some fun with it, take some ownership over it. And, you know, we care far too much about what every little fan is going to think about every little aspect of every new Star Trek show. Let the creators create.
0: Yeah, you have to. That's what I always say is that you have to give creators that latitude I think maybe I feel that way because I am a creative professional myself. I always have been throughout my career as a designer and a writer. And before that, I was a musician. So I've just always been a creative. And I understand that you can't just keep rehashing the same thing all the time. It actually becomes a bit boring if you do that. But clearly, that's something that some people in fandom have trouble with. You know, they want everything. I I get it on one level. One thing that I think has allowed Star Trek to endure for more than 50 years where other fandoms haven't and why it's a much richer universe than Star Wars is that it's grounded in an effort to maintain a continuity, an effort to make sure that what we did before is adhered to so that it feels like a real world. We're not just making stuff up. But at the same time, you do have to just make new stuff up. In real life, we make new stuff up all the time. We have stuff around us that didn't exist five years ago, right? Uh, So, of course, you know, there was a time, believe it or not, when Zima did not exist. (laughs) And I know that there are some people now who wish (laughs) that it didn't exist anymore, but it does. And here in Japan, we have different varieties of Zima because for some reason it's still popular here, whereas... For me it was this new drink that came out when I was in university and quickly people said, Yeah, this is not very good. But I just remember <laughs>
1: the commercials for it. I was too young to drink it at the time and then it disappeared and I never got to, I never right. got to experience Zima, oddly enough. Ro- ro- Romulan Zima.
0: Uh, Romulan Zima. <laughs> that has to be in here. Mike McMahon. If you're listening, <laughs> please let them crack open some Romulan Zima. <laughs> Advancing the conversation a little bit in terms of what they might do with the stories and the humor and all. We've seen the trailer. We've seen moments. For me, the trailer, it what we've been shown so far is certainly playing up the humor elements because that's how it's being built. I I kind of suspect that the stories themselves will have more meat to them and it's not just going to be joke after joke after joke. But Chris, from what you've seen so far, and and the fact that you've actually watched Rick and Morty so you know what the humor's like, what do you think about the comedic moments involving Starfleet officers that we've seen so far?
3: It looks like I think his name is Ensign Boimler. I think he has the purple hair. Um, he seems like really hungry to be promoted and be like the by-the-book Ensign that's going to be on the bridge someday. And uh, I think that's going to be Interesting to watch because I'm going to think about Harry Kim probably, but um, yeah, I think there's going to be some pathos with these characters. I think Tendy is the is she Orion? She's the green ensign.
0: L- looks in, that way. Yeah,
3: she seems to like see the starship and Starfleet with a sense of awe. So I think there'll be a nice heart there. And then ensign Beckett Mariner, she uh, just seems to be pure fun. And I uh, in an interview with McMahon, he said that. She's really, really smart and good at she, what she does, and she's like that super, super smart kid in the class that just is bored and fools around because she's too smart. So that'll be an interesting uh, dynamic to look at with those those characters.
0: What do you think, Zachary?
1: You know, I, I think there's a few ways you can approach the the humor element. One one way is what is what you already mentioned, Chris, like in, in Deep Space Nine, bouncing back and forth between the serious and the and the comedic. Another way, and maybe the trailer implies this, that it's going to be so ridiculously comedic that you wonder whether whether there's this deeper soul to it at all in terms of storytelling or character development or whatnot. Yeah. And I think the other Chris, what you mentioned, I think is there is the real magic, where if they use the com- the comedy to get at the deeper stories, and, and they're doing both simultaneously every every moment of every episode. And I think that's I think that's what I'd really like to see is not bouncing back and forth between the serious and the comedic, but using comedy to drive the character development. And drive the the ethics of it forward.
3: Well, Zachary, as a fellow Voyager super fan, I think like the comedic characters like Neelix only really work if they have like a sad core to them, and Neelix definitely has that. So I'm hoping to see something like that in these characters—something
1: tragic or something uh, richer. Is it than all them. comedy, just tragedy? Yeah, there you go. What do you think, Haley?
2: Uh, so I am hoping that they can blend the two together in a cohesive manner that works and tells these stories in a wonderful way while adding some humor, just because I think we do all need humor in our lives at this moment. I'm intrigued by these characters. The trailer really makes them seem outlandishly obnoxious, and so I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, even some of the actual bridge crew, you know, we've we've got a couple and I don't, uh, pardon me, I don't know their names, but one is almost like a Captain Kirk with the full head of hair and the beard. I uh-huh. kind of see some Kirk aspects, like they're like high fiving in the turbo <laughs> lift and <Right>. like <laughs> getting a beer, let's get a beer and like that was awesome and I'm just like, okay can we tone it down like maybe just like 5 degrees like we're we're at like 195 would be fine for me and so I I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. And so I'm I'm really excited for the people who are just flat out stoked for this series to come out. They they find the humor it connects to them in a lot of ways. I do think these characters are gonna have some interesting aspects to them. So I do hope that we do get some heart. And, you know, Chris, to what you were saying about uh, you know, these deeper souls and torture and all you and Zach were talking about. I almost wonder if you know I can kind of throw some psychology into some of these characters because I do that a lot.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and in Rick and Morty, that's definitely there. There's a lot of masks that we see that mm-hmm. are kind of obnoxious, but then there's this desire just to be loved and connected. So hopefully we can see that here. Especially Star Trek's really good at making families out of the crew. So hopefully yeah. we get that sense in this this series.
2: They're the obnoxious family members that you don't want to be around. On holiday. <laughs> exactly.
1: right. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the movie off the top of my head, but Haley, what's that movie we watched about the submarine where they do the war games and the underdog submarine? You're a big fan of it.
0: Down
2: Periscope. Down Periscope.
1: It's, it's
0: not Idaho it, Transfer. It reminds exactly? me of Down
1: Periscope. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah, Idaho it's Transfer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Ensign Boimler, he's the one recording the captain's log in the closet or something. I, I think he really wants yes. to be mm-hmm. loved. So he's, he has some ambition, you know, maybe he's, he's like Tilly, you know, one day he's going to be a captain. I think I get that feeling. Yeah, the characters look interesting to me as well. I think the one you were talking about, Haley, is Commander Ransom. He's the guy that, mm, yes, uh, you mentioned Kirk, and when I see him, I think of Riker as well. So I, I don't know what it's going to really turn out to be like, but.
1: I wonder if it's related to Captain Ransom from Voyager.
0: That's what I was about to say. That's what I was thinking. Uh, his yeah, younger His younger brother or something. <laughs> no. I know that a lot of people are interested in this Dr. Ta'ana character who seems to be like a really grouchy, Cation, maybe like Pulaski type character, maybe Pulaski and McCoy. You know, I always think of Pulaski as the McCoy of the next generation. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that character. And it's nice that they have an alien character. I, I say alien like a – they have an Orion, of course, here. And I'm sure they're going to have other aliens, but they're very like human-looking. But here you've yeah, got non-humanoid. an actual – Like a, something really different in, in a feline humanoid. So that's going to be fun. We'll see if the character's afraid
1: of uh, I, transporters.
0: I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but now that raises an interesting question, so if the transporter essentially kills you and then recreates you somewhere else, how does that play into something an animal like a cat which has nine lives are <laughs> you know, the first nine like like freebies
1: nine transports top how does and that you're work done.
0: right <laughs> you can try yeah, it that out. that would be my guess, yeah. <laughs> I hope with the stories that the humor is going to be there, sprinkled in with the overall story. I'm personally, I'm I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this series. I'm not really excited about it. Of course, I'm going to watch it when it comes out on Thursday, and I'm glad that they're taking Star Trek in new directions and broadening the fan base. It's not something that Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till Thursday. This series is what I've been waiting for. I don't feel that way about it. I'm a bit skeptical. I need a strong story. If I just want to watch flat out comedy, you know, I'll go and watch Phineas and Ferb or something like that. And Star Trek for me, although I love the humor that's in Star Trek, one of my favorite movies is The Voyage Home, which is very organically funny some of my favorite moments in star trek are humorous moments that happen but they're within stories that are not humorous in and of themselves Uh, i did not like the trouble with edward for example the short treks i thought it was a bit ridiculous but i know that there are some fans who think it's the greatest star trek Story that's been told in the last 20 years. (laughs) I quite enjoyed it. And that's fine. You know, everyone's different. You know, I just, uh, some of my problems with it were they weren't so much Edward. You know, Uh, I'm sure that every ship's got some goof off like Edward. I thought that to have an entire ship of people like that didn't make sense to me. Uh, The captain to me was completely unbelievable that this person would actually reach the rank of captain and still interact that way with her crew that I didn't get that so for me the humor didn't quite work but it was a short trek, and you know let's try something different and okay that's fine it's fun. I think that what I hope I will see in Lower Decks and I am cautiously optimistic that we will see this are stories where there is a strong narrative the crew is doing something important in the second contact because that's an important part you know first contact's great but it's what happens after that builds relationships that brings planets into the Federation and that allows the inhabitants of those worlds to go on and go to Starfleet Academy and to become Starfleet officers and, and, And that stuff has to happen. And so I think that's probably what we'll get here. And then we'll get some of these more humorous moments sprinkled in. And what we're seeing in the trailer are those little moments plucked out and just put into a sequence, which makes the show look like it's going to be really shallow. And probably it's not going to be because if it is, then it's not necessarily. I was going to say if it is, then it's not going to be Star Trek. But I don't want to be that strong because Star Trek can manifests itself in different ways. But I think that the core fan the core of Fandom I think wants
1: that story element to be there. I'm curious what you think about this, Chris, because you're you're the oldest of the group here and I I think what we're seeing in Star Trek the last few years is a fragmentation of Star Trek fandom, just like you could plausibly Mm -hmm. say that all of pop culture has been fragmented. I think there used to be these very macroscopic, universal, cultural touchstones. Everyone watched Star Wars. And in Star Trek fandom, we all watched The Next Generation. We all watched Deep Space Nine. We all watched Voyager. And then Star Trek. Uh, really all of the fandom all of pop culture started to fragment it's so easy in this day and age to pick and choose all la carte the things you want to watch and ignore the things you don't and you know get yeah. in your thought bubble about this and only only talk to this group of people and only watch the, these kinds of shows and the, the end result of that is that you know the owners of a of a franchise like star trek have to fragment what they're creating 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 niche shows for different kinds of viewers who are drawn to different kinds of media mm-hmm.
0: yeah Well, I think that is what they're doing. And certainly you see that with Prodigy, which will be the Nickelodeon show, which will be aimed at kids, you know, that's going to have a different tone. I'm curious there, you know, the animated series came on Saturday mornings and it was one of the cartoon type. I'm not quite that old. So I, I, when it was in first run, I was only two or three. So I don't uh, remember watching it. I watched it later. Uh, But those stories are very serious. I mean, they're the kinds of stories that you saw in the original series. It's just that it's animated. I think what they're doing now is not going to be that. You know, it's going to be animated series first, maybe cartoon a, a bit. But the fragmentation problem is definitely a real thing. It is easy these days that if you only care about Voyager, you just get with people who like Voyager and you only talk about that and you just ignore the rest of Star Trek. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you really enjoy, I think you're missing out if you do that because the series, especially those later series are so intertwined with what's going on elsewhere in the franchise. That's fine. I think that there's also a fragmentation by age where you were mentioning, Zachary, that we all watched the original series The Next Generation DS nine and Voyager and I think that's true to some extent, but I think it's more true that we all watched The Next Generation and at least the beginning of Voyager. There there's an entire segment of fandom that rejected Deep Space Nine and never watched it. And they went My Parents from... didn't
3: watch Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So I didn't see it until
0: maybe five years ago. So that oh, really? was really yeah. 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 And see, and that's the other point that I was going to throw in in a moment is that Zachary, you said that streaming services and all it makes it very easy for you to just consume what you want to consume, but it also makes it easy for you to go back and consume what you missed before, which is why DS9 has come to be appreciated so much in fandom 20 years later, because People who didn't watch it the first time have been able to go back and watch it and watch it the way that it was intended to be viewed but couldn't be viewed at the time, which is binge watching. You know, that series, it's not serialized in the way that Discovery or Picard is, but it is written in such a way that you need to just watch it quickly to really get the full impact of what's going on. Watching it one week at a time, and especially when it's being moved around or it's being preempted by Major League Baseball or whatever <laughs> was happening when it first aired. You know, I, I'm from Alabama, and we had a real problem in the 90s trying to watch Star Trek where Atlanta Braves baseball games would preempt episodes. And sometimes the episode just wouldn't come on, or sometimes we would miss part of it. Or there was a storm and the local meteorologist decided that the best thing to do with airtime was to preempt programming and show us how great their new Doppler radar system was and how they could show us lightning strikes in the neighboring state that affected us in no way whatsoever. So this kind of stuff happened a lot at the time. And streaming has allowed people to now go back and and consume that stuff. And so there's like a different type of fragmentation in the original series, that's another fragmentation where, you know, even though I'm the oldest in the group here still, I watched the original series when it started in reruns in the 70s. I was not old enough to see it when it first came on. And so there are very, they're very few... There's a small percentage, I guess I should say, of fandom that watched the original series in first run. And then there are the people who are like me who grew up with it because there wasn't anything else until the end of high school for me. And so for me, it represents the core of Star Trek. And then there are the people who are just simply too young to have watched it at all and have trouble going back and watching it now because it feels so dated that they just don't connect with it. So you have that kind of fragmentation going on. And I don't know. I don't know if we can bring all the fandom back together. I mean, I guess that's the next part of the question. Know. Would you like to see fandom reunited in some way, or do you think this is the best route for the health of the franchise to just give people different flavors of things like lower decks and let them like what they like, and maybe even if we can't talk to each other, <laughs> at least those pockets can form their own communities i don't know
1: well, I, I became aware in several recent episodes of to the journey just how much an age difference can make in terms of perception of fandom and what you expect out of star trek what you enjoy about it the kinds of connections you make about it and uh you know, i i think it's very easy to underappreciate that problem you know? and
0: of what you are taking away from the story that you're watching on the screen mm-hmm.
1: i don't know if i have the answer in terms of what it how it should how it Thing should be. I, 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 in a way, I kind of missed the idea that you know when you go to work on Monday morning after something cool happened on the weekend, like everyone would see the same movie, everyone would have seen the same TV show, everyone you know read the same book or whatever it is. Though that just isn't a universal constant anymore. Everyone's consuming their own version of it, and I think I think all of all of Star Trek fandom is a microcosm of that larger cultural phenomenon.
3: Well, that brings up another point. Like I work at a high school and a middle school for a school district. I can see middle school and high school students going for this, but are they going to be on CBS all access? Mm-hmm. So that, that's going to be a thing that's going to prevent them from accessing the show unless they're intentional about, you know, getting that service. Mm-hmm. So hopefully like they've done with Picard and did they do it with Discovery? They drop a few, an episode or two on YouTube for free for a certain amount of time to hook people. And I'll be selling it <laughs> to the kids that I see whenever I can. Haley
1: and I know at least one thirteen year old who I'm sure will watch it at some point. There you go.
2: At some point. I mean TOS is her favorite series wow, thus far. That's
0: amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah,
2: she loves the original series. We watched I mean TNG was mine, so we grew up and she's been around that and exposed to that. And then after we finished, um I think we had finished the I think i no, it was Deep Space Nine. I'd finished Deep Space Nine rewatch. And I said, all right, what are we going to watch next? No, it was TNG for the anniversary. That's what it was. And I asked her which one series she wanted to watch. And she said, let's watch the original series. And so she's seen little bits of Deep Space Nine, didn't quite get into it because she was a few years. It was a few years ago. And so she loves the original series. That is her jam right there. And so, yeah, I can imagine that she will pick up this. Uh, I don't know if I'll let her watch it just yet. To, to be but, determined. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah f- that's to be determined. You have to find out but what but the humor is going to be like.
1: Exactly. For sure. Exactly. Right.
2: Yes. Yeah. You know, speaking to this, this fandom, and it's, it's really sad that I think to a degree, they have to look at it and cater to, okay, this, this group of people is going to like this thing, but maybe not everybody will. And this group is going to like this other thing. And these other groups won't. I would hope that perhaps something will bring everybody kind of back together and collectively enjoy something. It's nice to know that there is still so much past Star Trek that so many people enjoy that Mm -hmm. they can sit down and still talk about it together. I have been a victim of toxic fan base Mm -hmm. myself to a degree. And it's it's really sad that people cannot just fathom that someone else might enjoy something that they aren't necessarily going to enjoy. And Chris, you mentioned this Lower Decks might not be your cup of tea, but that's okay. I can honestly say, yes, I'll sit down and watch it. But at this point, I'm not super excited about it. And that's okay. If other people are, I'm not going to sit and rag on them for liking something that I don't like. And it might not lend to me being able to have conversations about it, but that's okay too, because then someone else is telling me about something that they truly love and I can be excited about that.
0: But also, Haley, ten weeks from now, we might be sitting here talking about the series and you'll have your lower deck shirt on and you'll have like all the gear that you because you became a super fan because it turns out that you loved it so much. So who knows? <laughs> you dye your hair green. Yeah.
2: Oh no. I had green hair once, and I won't do that again. And it was not on purpose. <laughs> Chlorine on Ooh. blonde hair is not good.
0: I, For, I see. Per- well, Insantendi is highly offended right now. <laughs> Haley, she.
2: <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm
1: <laughs> For me, gr- growing up, Star Trek was really not a social experience. It was something I watched myself, you know, after school or before bed or whatever. And uh, you know, it's really only in the last few years having. Been on Trek FM that Star Trek has become quasi-social for me but so for me I have a hard time sort of feeling the force of this like if I can't find another fan to talk to about Star Trek I'm really okay with that I'm either gonna like it or I'm not <laughs> but I think some people who really think of Star yeah. Trek as a social experience might feel this tension or this this problem more than I do
3: yeah and and in terms of the fragmentation I feel like this series hopefully I'm hoping the creators are thinking about, giving different access points to this wider universe and that this is just another entry point entry way that'll get them to look at the fuller franchise like mm-hmm. 09 did for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I know that drew a lot of people into the franchise that had never really seen it before or or just casually saw it on TV. So I don't know. I I kind of curate my Twitter stream and and make sure that I'm not with the toxic aspects of fandom. Basically everyone I interact with is pretty positive and open though they have their kind of corner of Star Trek that they really know the the most. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about just choosing who you hang out with just like in real life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for me, you know, growing up, even through high school I think I didn't have friends who were Star Trek fans, but in university I started to have some friends who really enjoyed watching, so we would watch together and then the uh, second magazine that I worked for in Alabama I worked in prepress and one person and I I scanned negative slide negatives and did color correction, all this. I was in a dark room and it was a very small room and there were just two of us. And my colleague who sat next to me was also a die hard Uber Star Trek fan. And so we sat in this very small room all day, every day together. And this was in 1996, I think it was. So it was like the golden, what we came to call the golden age of Star Trek. You know, now maybe as Larry and I say, maybe we're entering a second golden age of Star Trek. But back then you had new Star Trek, like two episodes every week. You had new DS9, you had new Voyager. Uh, Next Generation had just finished its run. So we had the movies. And so a couple of days a week, we could just talk about the new episode that we just watched all day while we were working. And it was just the greatest thing. And this year we're going to have, what is it, 23, I think, straight weeks of new Star Trek. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we will have that opportunity to come back together at least online uh, since most of life is online these days, thanks to coronavirus. but it's going to (laughs) be a chance to, to maybe bring everyone together again, have a bit more, a bit less fragmentation
1: but what you just described chris is kind of the there's a purity to that one-on-one conversation with a friend of yours without I mean, this is right before the internet boom right so you know without all the social media noise and without all the twitter feeds and without the yeah you know you you, you didn't have that constant stream of noise you just had a nice friendly one-on-one conversation with a friend about it
0: right yeah, we didn't have anyone opening the door to the dark room and saying, "You know, you're not supposed to like that new series that just started. It's terrible, and the people writing it—they—they they have no idea what they're doing." We didn't have anyone. It's about doing to be that. canceled anyway. Yeah, it's going to be canceled. You know? <laughs> and then seven seven years later, when it ends, I told you they were going to cancel it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I was right. Yeah. Well, let's see if we have any other. oh, one other thing we didn't talk about yet. Uh, Sorry, I've been rambling too much. I did want to get your thoughts on the ship. What do you think about the design? It's interesting. There was an article I read on ScreenRant where they talk about the background to the name and such. and, And they said, Federation starships have a history of bold, historically significant names such as Enterprise, Voyager, Discovery, and Excelsior. Cerritos is a perfectly nice, blandly, unimportant city in the greater Los Angeles area. And then another thing they said, as a more pertinent part of the joke, and I'll have to take their word for it, is that all Southern California television viewers know well that there is this commercial for the Cerritos Auto Square car dealership, and it has one of the most incessantly catchy jingles ever conceived. So apparently it's also some sort of inside joke for the Los Angeles area.
1: Did Did you pick up on the shuttlecraft name of Yosemite?
0: That's the um, that's because apparently Mike saw uh, Idaho Transfer and <laughs> wanted to uh, work a little bit of that in there. I'm going to make sure we had this discussion before we recorded about this movie called Idaho Transfer. So everyone, please go find it and watch it. It sounds like the most riveting story ever. I love the idea that
1: Haley and I will have caused a a second golden age of Idaho transfer fandom.
2: (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. It is your favorite movie,
0: right? (laughs) Right. So
2: (laughs) it is so (laughs) much, yeah, so much.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Now the ship's interesting. Um, I don't quite know what to think about it. Like, I kind of like it, but then I'm like, all right, the design concept's kind of weird. I I worry about like if they go too fast, the cells might break off.
0: I worry if they go too fast that their kidneys How will fail. How do fill. they get
1: from the saucer
0: section to the cells? That's going to be the subject of one episode.
3: Hopefully turbo lifts that are actually in shafts, not in some, not the uh, Discovery turbo lifts. Um, I really love the ship. I, I love the uh, aft of the saucer section with that kind of step down design. I love the kind of Enterprise-D feel for the saucer and the deflector. I don't know. Everything about it, I just love it. It's kind of quirky and small. And um, I don't know. I I like it. It follows the rules of Star Trek's starship design, but it's something new and different, which I think is a super careful game to play. I
1: think that's what I like about it. It's super minimalist. I mean, if you think about about Starfleet ships in general, they've got a saucer section, they've got nacelles, and they've got a deflector dish, and that's about all there is to the ship. <laughs> so they put those elements together, and boom, it's a Starfleet ship.
0: Well, it also shows that they learned from that one great weakness of the Enterprise D of the galaxy mm-hmm. class design. You know, later on, maybe after this time period a little bit, they start to pull that neck piece down, so the the, uh, the saucer is more flush with the hole. This looks like a transitional period where they decided that, you know, that neck, that's a really huge target in battle. So why don't we just put a giant hole underneath? That way, if someone shoots at it, the the phasers of the photons, they'll just go right through, <laughs> <you. laughs> they'll just pass right between the nacelle. Yeah. They
2: took their hints from the Romulans, <laughs> perhaps. I mean, because, you know, uh-huh. their ship's like this. So, uh-huh. you know.
0: So they, they learned a little bit from the designs there. So it's it's good. And you
1: know what I actually you know you, you know what I like about the ship speaking of I, I actually I really love the retro aesthetic of that 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 particular shade of blue from the warp nacelles and that particular shade of red from the Bussard collectors yes. and the way the deflector dish looks. It's so yes. just warmingly nostalgic for me just to, to see those those particular shades on the screen again, honestly.
3: Well that's what I'm saying. Like the the art direction for the series respects us it values us and the aesthetic that we came to know in the 90s trek But hopefully they'll do something new with it but it's there for us the ground it all well we get to see the to.
1: Uh, waste collection from the holodeck so that's new <laughs> that that's particular new. The shade the of yellow is <laughs> the holodeck we know
0: <laughs> but if i think to the next generation if you collect all the waste from the holodeck as soon as you walk out into the corridor doesn't it all just disappear I mean I, mm. it doesn't happen for snowballs but it does happen for
1: I don't want to know what kind of waste they're collecting who, from the hallway <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just think about Barkley on Voyager when he went on his Voyager crew uh in his quarters he probably had a bathroom there
0: <laughs> uh, Hopefully we will see I don't want to know Those aspects. I mean because that would tie into the lower decks right we can see like what what's on mm-hmm. the other side of those walls and and such uh, speaking of the color scheme the one thing it does also remind me of is the the yellow trim on the saucer reminds me of the NX-01 in Mirror the newer Universe, universe yeah. on Enterprise mm-hmm. they have the the bright mm-hmm. yellow markings on the hull so well any final thoughts here on the show which i was going to mention distribution wise in the US you're going to see it on CBS All Access, of course, which we mentioned before. In Canada, it's on Bell Media's CTV Sci-Fi Channel and Crave, OTT's Crave. And globally, which is what impacts people like me and many of our listeners, Viacom CBS Global Distribution Group is handling the distribution, but so far, there's no word on where it's going to be shown. The people who Usually, make the most noise about this are the fans in the UK because the UK and Germany are the two biggest fan bases outside of the US and Canada. Over here in Japan, we've gotten Discovery on Netflix, we've gotten Picard on Amazon Prime, and there's no word on this. And Short Treks, we we've never gotten the second season of Short Treks. I actually had to get the Blu-ray when they release that from the US. So I have copies of those. So who knows if this is even going to be viewable outside the US, but hopefully it will be.
2: Yeah, I would hope that they would do something similar where it's either they're going to put it out on Netflix or they put it out on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. for, for everyone else. Because to say, oh, you're going to have to look at it on this thing and just add one more thing that viewers outside the US or Canada have to find star trek on seems really ridiculous yeah so my hope is maybe you know maybe come like monday they'll have something out saying hey this is where you guys can find it outside of the u.s or canada so uh, hopefully my fingers are crossed for everyone
0: you know (laughs) they could do something unusual like uh the nfl has tried with twitter where like the episodes are streamed on twitter and that's some kind hmm. of business arrangement It uh, just pops in my head. You know, this is kind of is this is the kind of thing that Larry and I talk about on the ready room a lot because we talk about the business side of Star Trek uh, more so than we do on other shows. And it just all depends on who wants to pay the studio. That was the whole thing. I think Amazon, I think Netflix internationally wasn't that interested in having Picard. Maybe they were, but not as interested as they were in Discovery. And then Amazon saw it as a big promotional opportunity, and so they outbid. Uh, you know, Here it was nothing, but what they did in London for the Picard premiere, that was some fantastic marketing that they did. So I think that was a big catch for Amazon to get Picard. Mm-hmm. Lower Decks obviously is less attractive, I think, from a broad marketing standpoint. So there could be a little bit of a bottleneck there in terms of getting it out internationally, but we'll find out soon.
2: I would imagine Netflix would probably pick it up more in that regard than Amazon Prime
0: would. Uh, Yeah, I, I think you're right. All right. Well, Zachary, any final thoughts on Lower Decks before the premiere? And then we'll come back later and we'll talk about it and we'll find out how ridiculous we all sounded by not knowing anything (laughs) that was really going to happen. I'm just going to (laughs) be. Until it really airs. I'm just going to be
1: counting the weeks until we get to episode number four Moist Vessel.
0: Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about the episode titles.
1: <laughs> that's right.
2: You probably just freaked out about a bunch of lists. Oh, no, it's not. I'm uh, moist. Sorry, so many people have problems with the word moist. So, so quickly,
0: <laughs> they've released four of the episode titles. The first one on August 6th is called Second Contact. The next one on the 13th is called Envoys on the 20th Temporal Edict. And then on August 27th, we're going to get Moist Vessel, which Ew. I took as a sign that they they said, you know, we got to behave ourselves at the beginning here. But by episode four, we can just pull the curtain back and just be honest about what kind of humor we're going to have. It's do do you think vessel.
1: Envoys is actually going to be about, like, ferrying <laughs> the uh, the B-level second contact diplomats around? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope so. And I hope someone says, like, why do you have all this empty space on the ship? And someone says, well, you know, we got to ferry a lot of secondary envoys, you know, deputies.
1: Deputy ambassadors, yes.
0: People who just stamp papers, <laughs> you know. It's like um, it's like in Japan. Everything's got to be done on paper, and we've got to stamp it with our little ink guns, And we're just going to carry everyone over with, like... Two of the rooms are just floor-to-ceiling paper. That's it. Another room, it's it's just just hanko. It's just ink on personal stamps. And when we get there, we're going to spend a week drinking some of that Romulan Zima <laughs> and just stamp in those papers. It's
1: not what the whole episode's about. Do you think Romulan Zima is blue or is it clear like, you know, like, like Terran Zima?
0: That's a good question. Um I, I don't know if they can make it blue because that would probably really, really piss off fandom. So I'm thinking maybe clear or maybe something really unusual like green, the color of Romulan blood. No, it's pink. <laughs> pink. Yeah. Something totally <laughs> unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> Haley, do you have any final thoughts?
2: Uh, I hope that at the end of this uh, first season of Star Trek Lower Decks, we've all done a little too much LDS.
0: Which is my preferred (laughs) abbreviation for the series, by the way. (laughs) I don't know what the abbreviation is going to be. I do know that John Van Sitters, people have been asking John, and uh, he replied the other day and he said that his preference would be for people to just hashtag it, hashtag Lower Decks. And that, you know, abbreviations are more for like internal use and such. And, and I, I get his point there. But for someone like me, who's actually by profession, a writer and an editor, like I actually need to know what the official abbreviation is because I, I need to use it. And so I don't know if it's LDS. I think LDS is most appropriate <laughs> given the series. So
2: my my issue, and I will bring this up in a serious tone, is that uh, if we start Tweeting with the hashtag LDS, yeah. it's actually going to pop up with the religion. And I actually grew up LDS. Oh, well, we have they to do it
1: then. And so,
2: uh, I, I, yeah, there's. <laughs> <laughs> which is why when I watched that movie, it was just so much funny when, he's, when Kirk says <laughs> he did too much LDS. but Because um, I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, all right. <laughs> but
0: it's a really interesting point, Haley, because I actually had not thought about that at all. It didn't occur to me, uh, especially, you know, living in Japan. I don't uh, have any yeah. da- daily, you know, interaction with a, a lot of religion in the US like that. So I, I didn't even think about the hashtag, but yeah, it probably would pop up, right?
2: I, I saw I saw his, his tweet about that and I've seen the, oh, we're going to call it LDS and the jokes about it. And internally I'm laughing, but then I'm also like, y'all know that that's a like that's a religion. Like they don't—they're no longer allowed to call themselves Mormons. They are Latter-day Saints.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: L- it's, it's the LDS Church, is, this is and just I'm us like spreading um... the Star Trek
1: gospel, you know? Because
2: <laughs> I grew up in Mormonville. It's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could look at it that way.
0: <laughs> um, I—I've seen someone actually. I think Trek Core is using the acronym LOW right now for low, which I also. Don't really like. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be.
1: I'm not sure. Why not just LD? Do, does it have either. to be three letters? Is but that an official thing?
0: It's always been three letters. I can't think of any that aren't. And well, TOS uh, is kind I of I a, mean, a we, retro name anyway, right? I, I mean, I have seen some materials. Well, TOS is a retro name, and what's interesting about TOS is if you go to the. Battlestar Galactica Wiki, they call the original Battlestar Galactica mm. TOS also, which is which is yeah. kind of odd to me. You know, being so engaged in Star Trek fandom, uh, I I do know there are some old things that you'll find in magazines and elsewhere where the Next Generation was referred to as NG. Sometimes I have seen that mm. as a two letter, but that quickly became TNG, and then and then went forward. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, if one series is going to break the rule, it'll be this series. Well, that's a good point, Chris. I've, yes. We're breaking all the rules. Two-letter acronyms for us. <laughs> Hashtag LD. They're not good enough for three letters. <laughs> Maybe that could be it. So, uh, Chris, any final thoughts?
3: I just want to see it. I can't judge anymore. I'm, I'm excited about what I saw. It looks like it's set in the Star Trek universe that I know and love. Rick and Morty has some good heart to it and some good concepts for sci-fi. So I'm very optimistic.
0: Yeah, I think those are my final thoughts as well. I don't have really much else to say about it other than I'm looking forward to seeing it. As I said, I'm not excited, but I am curious. And I love all of Star Trek, so I'm sure that I am going to enjoy it. I just really hope that there's some really good story in there as well. That carries forward the core spirit of Star Trek, because I think that's what sets this franchise apart from all the rest. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining me today on the first episode of this new podcast, Interphase. This is not a Lower Decks podcast. This is a Star Trek Universe podcast, and that does not mean that we're only going to talk about Lower Decks and Prodigy and Discovery and Picard and the new stuff. Strange New Worlds. It also means we're going to talk about all the old stuff, too. It's just anything Star Trek. We might even do a whole episode about those weird pet food bowls that they sell on Star StarTrek.com because <laughs> you never know. I mean, if it's Star Trek related, we might talk about it on here.
2: Yes, <laughs> so. we do. We need to get those for our new cat.
0: You do, man. Your your cat, The like the first day it was in your house, seems like it was like, this is my home forever and i own this place and i'm going to take all the space i want and i'm totally relaxed and i'm going to sleep on my back and i feel totally
1: safe yeah we're essentially feudal serfs and servant of our cat at this point yeah so yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true great okay well Haley, if people want to hear you talk about star trek where should they go
2: You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. I will talk about Star Trek and lots of science stuff because I find it fascinating. And viewers, listeners, Standard Orbit is coming back from its hiatus. Uh, Life got crazy. So you can find me over there as well. Here soon.
0: Great. And Standard Orbit is our original series podcast here on the network. So talking all things TOS, not the Battlestar Galactica TOS, but the Star Trek
2: one. (laughs) I haven't watched that, so I couldn't talk about that.
0: It's a fun series. It's uh, the the later one. uh, Ronald E. Moore series is much better, but I have a soft spot for the original because I grew up watching it. So, all right, great. And Zachary, how about you?
1: Well, you can find me on the network on Metatrex, Trek FM show about Star Trek and philosophy. And you can also find me on To The Journey, where we talk about all things Star Trek Voyager.
0: Excellent. And Chris, where can people find you? And tell people briefly, give an example. I've been wanting an example. If you can, of one of these (laughs) polls you do on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. um,
3: You can find me on Twitter at Shelf Nerds where I just post out probably like five or six times a day different polls. Some of them, I kind of have two different kind of polls. One, like a random Star Trek celebration poll, where I just try and throw four random Star Trek things together, such as I might do option one is Muse, option two is Wesley sweater, option three is a medical tricorder, and option four is um, the line must... Wait, can can we do
0: one of these polls right now? Let's gotcha. do one. I can't even think about Picard's line. Random. The line must be drawn here. There this we far, go. no farther. And the poll will be Star Trek appreciation poll number, huh? and you just pick which number of these number fifty-seven. Yeah, which <laughs> of these four things do you appreciate most from Star Trek? It's very unusual. So then,
3: the other kind of poll I do is something. Try and get to some emotional core in Star Trek. Usually, a line or a moment, four moments that I'm trying to put together. You can also find me on YouTube. i have completing the shelf as my channel, where I'm in the thick of a "Why Voyager" project, where I'm trying to just say why Voyager should be really respected as a Star Trek series. Because I didn't know, like, it, it was kind of not as respected as I thought on on the internet. So these
0: are the things you find out when you you venture into social media, fandom, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, you find exactly. out what people like and don't. Okay, very good. And uh, if you'd like to find me, I, as everyone knows, I haven't been podcasting much in a while, but I'm starting to podcast more now. You can find me on The Ready Room with Larry Nemecik. He and I do that show together and we talk about uh, different things happening in the Star Trek universe. Uh, these days, mostly Picard and Discovery, a lot of the business side. And you can also find me on The Orb with Matthew Rushing, where we talk Deep Space Nine. We're going to have some new episodes of that coming out. And you'll also be finding me doing some other things coming up soon. If you search my name over on the official website at StarTrek.com, you'll find some of my older pieces over there as well. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, my username is C, Brian Jones, letter C, and Brian with a Y. That's my username pretty much everywhere in social media, but Twitter is where I am the most active. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on what we discussed today, you can do that on Facebook in the Babel Conference. That's our listeners group. If you're not already a member, you'll need to join and you'll need to answer a few questions so that I can let you into the group. It is a private group, but you can find it by typing Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Twitter, and it should come right on up. But if it doesn't, just type the Babel Conference and you'll see it. You can also follow the network on Twitter at Trek FM, And if you'd like to contact us by email, kind of an old-fashioned way, you can do that through the form on the website. Just go to trek.fm contact and choose the show name there from that form and just submit, and that'll come right on to me. And if you'd like to support the network, we could really use your help in keeping the shows going. Please go to patreon.com slash FM. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to find out what kind of perks we have and how you can become a patron of the network. We also have levels such as becoming an associate producer where you can hop on to the roundtable, get on mic just like we do today, talk Star Trek with fellow listeners and other hosts, and we do publish. Publish that out into our feed so everyone can hear you discuss Star Trek as well. Again, that's patreon.com slash Trek FM. And we thank everyone for their support. All right, well, Haley, Chris Zachary, thanks so much. Let's head on down to the the lower decks, see what kind of trouble we can get into.
1: <laughs> Have ourselves a glass of Romulan Zima, yeah.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, that's a must. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and join us again next time as we explore the Star Trek universe.